Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. And this is Warriors This Week. Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone with you here on a Saturday morning in the Bay. The Warriors getting set tonight for the Los Angeles Lakers as they try and get back in the swing of things. The swing of normalcy, Dan, as we begin here on a Warriors This Week. What's up, my man? There is no such thing. I'm <laughs> thoroughly convinced that when it comes to normalcy to the Golden State Warriors in the 2023-2024 season, it just simply does not apply. What's going on, Evan? <laughs> not much, man. Last time we checked... Uh, of course, we were talking a lot of football before the 49ers and the Packers came in. I, before, we, before we dig into basketball, I do I gotta give you your props, man. You were you were on the young and upstart Packers, kind of talking about the path that <laughs> some people can go down and how things can unfold. And I was like, no, 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 no. They're just gonna cakewalk through this thing. Once again, your wisdom prevails, Dan, my man. Well, I'll tell you what, with all that being said, I, I wish things would be close just for entertainment's sake. And I'm not necessarily a Niner fan, but I see them smoking the Lions tomorrow. But we're not doing that show today, are we? Not today, not today. We are back into the Warriors. The Warriors right now, of course, stand four games below 500. 19 and 23 and uh, a lot has happened in the last week obviously a couple of games postponed that's why we we're on Niners last week back to Warriors and back to basketball and back to normalcy or lack of normalcy and inconsistency for the Golden State Warriors a one win and one loss this week Dan a loss to the Sacramento Kings a couple nights ago and then of course the Atlanta Hawks the night before that they defeated them 134 to 112 uh, that was the emotional victory Jonathan Kaminga had a great game that night on Wednesday 11 for 11 a franchise record alongside Chris Mullen picked up a 20 point dub and then the day after against the Sacramento Kings it always seems Dan like when these two teams play it always comes down to the wire and it always involves something frenetic and frantic at the tail end of basketball games you go back two games ago when they faced each other Clay Thompson hit a buzzer beater in front of Kevin Herter the last time they saw each other in Sacramento the Warriors blew a 24 point lead and Malik Monk hit a go ahead shot in the waning moments and then this time, no one got a shot in the final moments because the Colton State Warriors refused to call a timeout with 15 seconds left. Stephen Curry dribbled the ball off his foot and ended up losing by a point 134 to 133. So 
I know you got a chance to check out that game in depth. And uh, as we get this thing rolling here on Warriors this week, what did you kind of make of first, I mean, the game itself, but uh, especially the tail end? Well, it looks as though there has been a passing of the torch as I watched the game unfold. Mm. It looked as though clearly Sacramento is now the better team when you talk about the rivalry between the two, that the Warriors are playing catch up throughout the majority of that contest. When you just look at personnel now, it's no longer an upstart Sacramento King team. Can they knock off? The Giants and the team that has dominated the Western Conference and the division for the most part, that being the Golden State Warriors, it looks as though it's, there's been a role reversal. And it's now the Sacramento Kings that have clearly now passed the Golden State Warriors when you think about where they're at as far as their personnel and the way they're playing basketball. The Warriors are trying to catch Sacramento. Now, I don't think they're that far behind. And we'll get into that a little bit later in the show because I don't think it's doom and gloom necessarily for the Golden State Warriors going forward. But that's... I think watching that game, that's sort of what jumped out at me is that Sacramento is legit. This isn't just like, wow, the Kings are suddenly this, you know, this team that you, they came out of nowhere and the Kings that have been the perennial doormat are now competitive with the Warriors. (laughs) I take it a step further and now say that the Warriors are not at their level any longer. Interesting. Yeah, and I think that's a harsh reality for a lot of people to face. But right now, uh, you are correct because the Golden State Warriors are sitting at 12th in the Western Conference. The Sacramento Kings are four and a half games ahead of them, and they are right now sitting in fifth. Uh, that was, look, it was an interesting game back and forth. And, and I know it kind of came down to the wire. And to me, you know, kind of honing in on, on the micro first before we get into the, the big picture stuff that I thought and took away from that basketball game. You know, this idea of philosophy and holding on to the past and needing to be the dubs of old, right? That, to me, is what I kind of felt like they were wrestling with in that final possession. With 15 seconds left, Kevin Herter steps to the free throw line. I didn't think he was going to miss both, but there's no way in hell he was making both of those shots. That guy had something in his eye that made him say, and made me say, like, I do not believe that he is going to step to the line and make these foul shots. He misses both, and right there, Clay Thompson grabs the rebound. Boom, your first opportunity to call a timeout if you want. Now, Steve Kerr has mentioned in the past, they like to not allow the defense to get set. You play in that free-flowing, you know, kind of up-and-down game that the Warriors have become synonymous with over the years. Uh, But that absolutely did not happen as they do not get a shot off. They bring it across half court. There was one point at which there were like four guys jumbled on one side of the floor as the Kings actually got defensively set. And then Kaminga ends up with the ball in his hands. He's looking for someone to hand it off to. That's a guy who had a career-high 31 in that game. And instead of looking for his shot, potentially, he's trying to get the ball to Steph. They're looking to run a pick and roll with Draymond Green and Steph Curry, the OGs, the guys who are supposed to have the ball in their hands at the tail end of the game, supposed to be the smartest players on the floor. And no one recognizes this that the play is going nowhere. There's no timeout called. There's no shot that they get off. And people are left wondering at the tail end of the game what just happened and what they just witnessed. So I do wonder, Dan, if in situations like that in the future, I know that the Warriors have been a team that typically does not like to call timeouts, but specifically against a team like the Kings, who doesn't really have any sort of defensive stopper. Like one reason you can call a timeout or don't want to call a timeout is because you don't want to allow them to make a substitution to bring in guys that are more defensive focused for that final spot. So I understand the intent, but the Sacramento Kings are not a great defensive team. They win by scoring the basketball. And the Warriors had multiple ways in which they could approach that possession. And I just felt like they kind of had egg on their face. And 
as a result, dribble the ball off their foot. Yeah, I don't necessarily have an issue. I know that there's a lot of people want to just instinctively point a finger. And a lot of that, I think, was directed at Steve Kerr, some of which, once again, uh, was targeted at one Steph Curry. I just think that it, it was chaotic. But the Warriors have done well in chaos. I think the best chaotic player <laughs> in my lifetime has been Steph Curry. Out of chaos, he makes the most incredible, ridiculous shots. But I think Steph Curry intimated that he had a conversation with Steve Kerr while Herder was at the free throw line. Yeah. And both of them basically said, okay, let's just go. No timeouts. I think that if there was a time to make that T.O., it's when Curry started. He got the double team and he started to back dribble. Then it's, okay, let's get the timeout. But, again, when you're in the heat of the moment, much easier for us to say it two days after the fact or after the game that you should have called the T.O., especially when your head coach is giving you those mixed messages. So I don't necessarily blame anybody if that's the way you play. Do we call a timeout? Do we not call a timeout? It just the opportunity didn't present itself. Here's more the bigger issue of what I have a problem with, and that is just sort of fundamentally and theoretically how they want to play basketball. And this is true for a lot of teams towards the end of the game and getting the ball in your in the hands of your star, and in this case, obviously, Steph Curry. I don't think that the Warriors need to be that deferential. Like, I don't think you necessarily say, where's Steph, where's Steph? That adds to the chaos. If there's an opportunity for Jonathan Kaminga, if he's got a step, if he's got a crease, then Kaminga, you go. Clay Thompson, again, if you feel as though, you know, you have an opening, you have a good look, well, then you go. This whole idea that I can't look at the hoop, I can't get mine, even though we got 10 seconds, 15 seconds left in the game, i got to find Steph Curry, even though he might be doubled or triple deemed, that's the issue. And I think that's what has to be addressed. And I think Steve Kerr, he has to, I honestly believe that he has to have that conversation with Steph, with the team, that if we get in these situations and I want to go without a timeout, yes, we'd like Steph to have the basketball because all things go through him. But if he does not, or if that opportunity doesn't present itself, I'm fine with Kaminga. Or let's just run our offense and let's get the ball moving to the open guy. Let's not necessarily add to the chaos and try and find Steph Curry if he's double or triple teamed. I think that's a really good point, Dan. And it, it points to the kind of tug and pull that we've seen consistently over the last, I'd say, you know, year and a half now, a little over halfway through this season on the 82 game schedule. The tug and pull between young and old and this idea of a hierarchy and the respect that you have to show to your OGs on the court and needing to prioritize the older guys, the veterans, and we've seen that mostly from, I think fans have highlighted it from a, from a coaching perspective or a rotational aspect of things. You know, who's getting minutes, who's in the game at certain times. But we've gotten to that point where now, okay, Kaminga's going to close, I would say, the majority of basketball games, unless he's playing terribly, and then anyone is on limits or off limits except for Curry. Kaminga is going to be closing basketball games. You know that Draymond Green's going to be out there. There's a chance, you know, for Brandon Pajemski. I think he was he was on the floor in the waning moments. Um, Clay Thompson's in the mix, obviously. There, you know, th- there's a there's a mixture of young and old in terms of trust and positioning in those spots. But the actual flow of the game, you're right. It still tends to lean towards, hey, we got to get it to Steph, Clay. Dre, they've been here before. They'll know what to do. And essentially in that that situation, that game, I'm with you. I didn't have a problem with not calling the timeout as soon as you rebound the basketball. That's what you discussed and communicated. You all want to be on the same page anyways. That's the most important part. But 
I do think that there is a yeah a, a deference right now from a guy like Kaminga, who you know you're talking about. Well, you know, is he playing well? Is he not? Like Kaminga was the, the arguably the best offensive and the most consistent offensive player on the floor in that game. In fact, you can make a case that in the second half. He was their best offensive option because Curry had gone relatively cold. He scored 18 points in the first quarter, had 15 points the rest of the game. Kaminga could have attacked right off the rip. But because he's looking for the proper position for the basketball or within the, you know, the, the scrum and the chaos, he's like, well, where's 30? You know, where's 11? Where's 23? That to me is still in a kind of I don't know, just tug and pull place. And I do wonder if that's a moment that we look back on in Sacramento and say, okay, here tonight, because the Warriors have been in so many close games down the stretch of basketball games. It it seems like every single night it's a one-possession game. It could be again tonight against the Lakers. I wouldn't be necessarily shocked. But I do wonder if tonight, because of what we saw on Thursday, you might see Kaminga say, all right, everybody clear out. I'm going to do my thing if I have it rolling because I have the hot hand. I give us the best chance to win the basketball game, and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and I think that Steve Kerr is to blame for cultivating part of that culture. Mm. And I think he has to recognize that Jonathan Kaminga and some of these youngsters now are not only a crucial part of this basketball team, but in many instances have surpassed not necessarily Steph Curry, but the Clay Thompsons of the world. And... Whether that has to be verbally communicated or whether it happens organically, it certainly has to take place. Because you're right, it wasn't necessarily about calling a timeout, not calling a timeout, but sort of how that play was a microcosm of the year, right? It's the kids not knowing what it is to do, even though they have the talent to get to the rim themselves, because they know that they still have to defer or incorporate the elder statesman, that being Draymond Green and Steph Curry. I think it just, to take it a step further, that this is a team right now that it's Steph Curry and it is now Jonathan Kaminga that is your number two. Mm -hmm. And Steve Kerr still looks as though he's having a difficult time embracing that. And still, I mean, I'm looking, I'll look at the minutes right now because it was clear, not only in this game, but over the last week and you can say even the last month. That Jonathan Kaminga has stepped up and been that guy. Yeah, he had 30 minutes. So Draymond Green, who's on, you know, on res- limited minutes, he's still on a, a, a sort of restrictive uh, limited number of, of minutes he can play yeah. since the coming back from the suspension. Uh, had more minutes. Clay Thompson had more minutes. Obviously, Steph had more minutes. Andrew Wiggins had more minutes than Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga is 21 years of age. What the hell are you saving him for? And do you, what more do you need to see from the guy? In order for just to let him go, just clear aside and let him go. So before we get into Jonathan Kaminga and mm-hmm. Steve Kerr, but I, I just think it, it speaks towards that where it is right now this imbalance and recognizing that the youthful talent on this basketball team now needs to be unleashed, needs to be recognized. And Steve Kerr needs to embrace that so that when you get down to the end of a basketball game and there's this sort of chaos that Jonathan Kaminga should feel, or Pajemski, if he's in the game, you know what, I can go. And that there's not going to be blowback. That I can go and take this shot, or i got to step on a guy, and I have the liberty 
to get to the rim and try and win this thing. 888-957-9570 is the number. This is Warriors this week. Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone with you here on 95.7 The Game, taking you up until 12 o'clock as we do every single Saturday morning discussing the dubs. They play at 5.30 later on this evening. An ABC game, by the way. Of course, you can catch all the action live here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, but Warriors Live is going to be at 4.30 here tonight as they take on the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James is in town. And the question I have right off the rip is kind of what Dan and I are talking about is how would you like to see the hierarchy of young and old balanced right now? How would you like to see that manifested, whether it's on the court tonight, whether it's the rest of the season? Because I think that's what the Warriors, that's where they're at right now. And that last possession against Sacramento, to Dan's point, was a nice microcosm of where they're at and what they're struggling with and what they're trying to find as they hope to right the wrongs of this season now four games below 500. And really, the, right, the, the wrongs they hope to right before the trade deadline because they got eight more games to do so and a potential move or non-move uh, that could be out there. So 888-957-9570. How do you want to integrate the younger with the old as far as those tight situations? They've been in 31 of them right now of their 42 basketball games, clutch games. The Warriors are 15 and 16 in those spots. Do you think that if Steve Kerr had been able to help kind of bring the young guys in, that they'd be able to help in those positions, that they might have a better record at this point. Do you think that if he'd empowered the younger guys more earlier in the season, that they might have a worse record in those games, that it still needs to be Steph versus the world? I saw a Curry at age 35 going on 36 in a couple of months against the Sacramento Kings that was looking for help. I saw him come off the pick and a natural double team, you know, surrounds him. You got Keegan Murray and another six foot eight wing of which there's a lot of now in the NBA. And I'm looking at Curry, even if he gets that shot off, Dan, it's still a step back 30 footer and you only need one point. You know, the Warriors right now are devoid of, of players that can get easy twos. And as much as Curry is a lethal marksman, as much as Clay Thompson can still fill it up and get hot with the best of them from three-point range, someone like Jonathan Kaminga or even Andrew Wiggins, who, who scored, I think, 17 points against the Kings, was pretty well for mid-range, doing pretty well for mid-range. Um, those are the kind of guys that they haven't had that can get easy looks. And to your point, I would love to see them try and Steve Kerr try to balance this thing because in those situations, it's not just about, okay, who's getting the last shot? It's about getting the best shot. And to me, if Curry is the number one de facto option, there's not an issue with that. But if he can't get the best shot, well, then you might need to think about who else can? And someone like Kaminga. Maybe it's someone like Pajemski. Maybe it's someone like Wiggins. Hell, maybe it's Draymond who can get an easy look at the basket because nobody paying attention to him whatsoever. It's, it could be Clay Thompson sitting in the corner. How can the Warriors right their late game wrongs that have kind of trended towards Steph just being the man going one on five? Because more times than not, Dan, I just find it hard to believe at age 35, Curry's going to be able to save the Warriors again and again. Yeah, and as it gets back to Steve Curry, he's really at the crossroads because he never had to deal with this. He would just pencil in arguably one of the greatest starting lineups of all time. And then, you know, he, he manages things and he has the respect of the players. And I'm a huge, huge Steve Kerr fan, both as a coach and especially off, you know, off the court and for yeah. what it is that he stands for. But right now, it's much like that of... And I'll give you the football analogy. It's, it's like Andy Reid. 
And Andy Reid did what it is that he did with Philadelphia. And then he goes over to Kansas City and he gets Patrick Mahomes. And he changes everything he knew about football in terms of attacking offensively. He essentially says, okay, let's go Big 12 and let's soup this thing around my remarkable young quarterback (laughs) out of Texas Tech. Let's throw the ball on every down. Let's spread the field. And that's where Steve Kerr is at. I think Kerr has got to recognize, okay, I've done one thing one way and I've had success. Now it's time to change. And if you're not going to change, then it's time to do something else. Because that's how you, you know, that's what creates sustainability. That's how you survive in the NBA. If you want to. Steve Kerr's at a point where I'm sure there's other things he can do in this, in this life of his. But if he wants to continue and continue to be relevant, there has to be change. And the change just hasn't been notable up to this point from Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has got to recognize that there's a changing of the guard. No, I don't have to necessarily bench Steph Curry or Steph Curry doesn't get the last shot. But I do have to recognize again, not to repeat myself, but you have to recognize that Jonathan Kaminga is now, I'm not even going to hesitate with this. He's now your number two. We've been, we've been in search for that guy all year long, going back to the playoffs last year. Who's going to offset the scoring? Who's the number two? Here's Jonathan Kaminga saying, hello, I've arrived. Now it's time to recognize that guy. It's time to recognize the youth and pull back the strings. Get Clay Thompson into more of being a role player because he's not in his late 20s and it's not 2016. That's all incumbent on Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr, the reason why they look for Steph Curry, the reason why they run their offense in that chaotic style that presented itself at the end of the game against the Sacramento Kings, it's because it's coming down from Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr either has to verbally let the team know or he has to do it subtly where young players have to feel as though that they have the liberty to do what it is that they want to do on the floor. And that this idea that, yes, you still have the respect, obviously, of Steph Curry and Draymond Green. You have to, you know, you have to show them that they, they earn the respect and they're certainly still good basketball players, but more of a limited capacity these days. And I think Steve, that's where Steve Kerr is at. It's at these crossroads. It's either I recognize the youngsters going forward or I'm going to continue to hang on to yesteryear. And I think he's better suited to create that balance by saying, okay, the kids can play and I, ne- I need to, I need to incorporate them into the game, especially late in the contest and sort of remove what it is that I've been doing up to this point. I don't look at it like a lack of trust from Steve Kerr, but it does certainly visibly appear to be a lack of options for the Warriors down the stretch of games. I also think, Dan, that's probably a reason why it's been so difficult for the Warriors to hang on to leads throughout this season. Because if you're just looking for one guy to bail you out of a possession, well, sometimes you can, other times you can't. And then that leads to leak counts, that leads to long runs, that leads to transition. And then you find yourself backpedaling on your heels. The Warriors more often than not this season when they've played with double-digit leads and credit to them for, for creating them. But they found themselves in these tight games when they've had leads, I think because they're just trying to get to the finish line. They're playing not to lose and they're playing to get the ball into Curry's hands and have him. Like I think the game against Detroit is a prime example of that. They won by three against a three-win basketball team. And down the stretch of that game, it was just Curry, Curry, Curry. And while I don't mind Steph you know, doing his thing from time to time, it can't be in the final five minutes of every single basketball game that's tight. We'll give it to Steph, and he's going to win us or lose us the game. Because we've seen that, yes, he can win you plenty of basketball games. But if you're a 500 team, 
Well, if, if he's winning one and losing one, that's 500 basketball, and that's kind of where the Warriors are at. So I do think there needs to be an identification of who can be the number two option in these clutch type of situations, and I'm with you. I think Jonathan Kaminga is an emerging presence in those areas. All right, 888-957-9570. Also, shout out to the YouTube chat powered by First Orcal Credit Union. Conquer them. I want to see the veterans pass the torch from Enter the Draymond. I do love that name. Uh, I want to see Kaminga taking the final shot if he's the only one that's able to get to the basket. How are you feeling about the Warriors in late game situations? Do you think there's a torch that need to be passed? Do you think that Steve Kerr needs to broaden his horizons, so to speak, in these type of tight spots? 888-957-9570. Will's in Berkeley. Get us going, Will. How you feeling, man? You're on Warriors this week. Hey, happy championship weekend. Yes, sir. You too. I'm ready for the 49ers. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Hindsight is twenty twenty. When you look at that game the other night, and I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, her should run a decoy. He should make uh, Shuri sort of look like he's going to take the ball, but give it to Kaminga or whoever. And I really feel like there's some pieces missing, like you said. But I think that Kerr has really has issues with integrating, like you said, the youth, but also making the players sort of work off of Curry now that he's a little bit slower, a little bit older. Um, and that's a problem because you can't really have these guys running around running sprints anymore. They're sort of running more marathons. So the issue is how do we integrate more youth, more speed, and get these guys going? Because obviously they can't do what they used to do 10 years ago. So my question is to you guys, what can we do to make that integration happen more fluidly and stop having these losses because, you know, it's not coincidence for them to be losing these last minute games all the time. It's not, it's not coincidence anymore. They lost more than three or four of these games at the end of the game. So it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Will. Look, right now they have, damn, they're tied for the second most clutch wins in the NBA. 15. They're also. They also have the third most clutch losses in the <laughs> NBA. They have six seed of them. And they've played like five more games of these. And, and that's really my biggest question is like, how come they're in continuously these spots where we have to ask these sort of existential questions about the head coach, about his philosophy, about his players? They're always in tight games. And at this pace, Dan, they will have played by the end of an 82-game season about 55 or 60 clutch games. That's a lot of tight basketball. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just want to get back to the college yeah. point and just to answer his question. I think it's on Steve Kerr. S- Steve Kerr has to anoint these guys. And he can do it throughout the course of the game. It doesn't have to come down to the end of a contest where he can say, hey, listen, whoever has an opportunity, I want them to go and shoot this basketball. It's not about, like, let's clear a side for Steph or make sure the ball is in Steph's hands. He can communicate that verbally, but I just think organically he's got, he, he has to let Kaminga. I don't know why Kaminga's not starting, but that's part of the problem. I use Kaminga as the example because it's not fully recognizing who is clearly your second best scorer on the basketball team. And and that's the bigger issue being that until he does that throughout the course of a game, then you're always going to have this sort of division and in the back of the mind of these young players. And when it gets down to crunch time in the final seconds of a contest, they're going to they're not going to know what it is that is expected of them. And that's clearly on the shoulders of Steve Kerr. Well, I do think there's going to be a starting lineup change here tonight against the Lakers. And we'll get into that on the other side. Unfortunately, Dan, I don't think it's the guy 
that you're thinking about or that fans might like. I'll reveal that on the other side as we continue on Warriors this week. I see you, D and DC. Hang on through the break. We'll get you on the other side, but we got to get to a commercial break here. That's Dan Devoe. My name is Evan Giddings. We're back after this on Warriors This Week here on 95.7 The Game. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. No, Dan, you can't go down and pay the meter. You can't. Also, I will with the next break. What, what, what meter? You brought a bike in here today. Oh, you're right. You're a brand new That's man. Right. That's right, man. I got to tell you. It's, it's, this guy's whipping it all over San Francisco. What I strongly suggest... For those of you on a brisk Saturday morning, now it's got to be in San Francisco because I don't leave the city. But if you live in the city, just take a nice ride through North Beach. And you see the guys, the old Italians, bringing out the focaccia and the baguettes and getting everything prepared. And you just, bonjour, you know, although that's French. That's going to say. <laughs> ciao. Sort of, uh, it's, a, it's sort of an international ciao, feel ciao. as you uh, just sort of, you know, cruise through a bike through North Beach in the wee hours of the morning. Go down by, was it, Washington Park with the, the beautiful church. Wasn't that church a St. Scene- Peter, St. Paul, yeah. Yeah, wasn't that a, oh, was it the coronation or the, the baptism in the Godfather? Wasn't that the site? It might have been. I don't know. Is it? It is an. I want absolute... to say that was shot in New York, but you might be right. I, I could be wrong there, but it is absolutely beautiful as it is every single morning in San Francisco. We actually got we got some blue skies down here today here in downtown SF, and we appreciate you joining us for Warriors this week as we do every single Saturday from nine to noon here on ninety five seven The Game. Dan Devone over there and Evan Giddings here with you, and Dan, we're talking about. 
this this idea of of tug and pull, right? That the Warriors have seemingly been on really since the beginning of last season, uh, and even going back before. The difference was they won a championship three years ago, or two and a half seasons ago. So, how do we kind of get this thing to where? You know, we've seen guys crack the rotation. We've seen guys even crack the starting lineup occasionally. But now, as of late, it's kind of been back to, well, Kaminga's coming off the bench. Even Draymond's been coming off the bench. And teased it right before the break. I do think for the Warriors, specifically on the defensive end, I do think tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, the starting lineup change that we will see is Draymond Green is going to be back. I don't know, however... If what you suggested, Kaminga coming into the starting lineup, is what we'll see just yet. And that's where it all starts. Is anybody, and you don't have to have a high level of basketball IQ, just watching the Warriors, you can clearly see that Jonathan Kaminga has been, if not the best, and the second best player to Steph Curry over the last month. And so he needs more run. He needs to start. But again... That's Steve Kerr, who continues to, he wants to oversee things. He wants to continue with that short leash. (laughs) It doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'll take it a step further. When I look at that starting lineup of the Golden State Warriors that they've rolled out. Now, granted, they're waiting for... You know, they're waiting for Draymond Green to get his sea legs, and now apparently he's going to crack the starting lineup tonight. But when you roll out... I know that for sure. I'm just guessing. Dario Saric, Kavon Looney... Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Andrew Wiggins. That is one of the most unathletic, one of the slowest lineups in the NBA, not only this year, but in recent memory. And it's not coincidental that you get you get dusted in that first quarter by that of the Sacramento Kings who put up 40 on you. And the same thing happened against Atlanta, that you yeah. have to play from behind. That is one of the most unathletic one of the most unintimidating starting lineups. And you think about where the Warriors were just a short couple of years ago where they had, you know, arguably the greatest starting lineup of all time, the Chicago Bulls, depending on where you live. I guess in the Midwest you could say it's the Bulls. A lot of people feel it was the Warriors when you had Kevin Durant and a younger Splash Brothers and Inguidala and all those boys. To where they're at right now with Dario Saric, Kevon Looney, Andrew Wiggins, and old Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. That to, there's a reason why you get behind in basketball games. And that's just, I'm sorry, Steve, that's on you, coach. And I love coach. He's got to open your eyes. Abre sus ojos. Let's go. These young players, Jonathan Kaminga, take the wraps off. Recognize it's time to go. It's time to put Clay Thompson, who can still go from time to time, in more of a limited role. And role being the operative word. I think he's working his way into being a role player. He is not the guy that you have to defer to any longer. He's not 28 years of age who's going to give you 37 and a quarter any longer. That is in the rearview mirror. And Steve Kerr, it starts and begins and ends with him. He has to have this come-to-Jesus moment and recognize all of this so that this Warrior team, I think going forward, I'm still optimistic <laughs> Ev, and we could talk about yes, that as are. well. There's yes, a level of optimism, and I think that the Warriors still can do, there are better things in store for them this year, but it has to happen tonight. And what has to happen, again, is Kaminga's got to start, and you've got to, you've got to infuse these youngsters and pull back a little bit on the Clay Thompsons and the Steph Currys of the world. I don't think that's out of the question, because Kaminga has generally played when Draymond has played, especially since he's come back, and he's been really good when Draymond has been on the floor with him. From the 415 of the Comcast Business text line, I do wonder about this. 
Quote, it's obvious Golden State's problem is like they this. have a motion system which maximizes Curry and Clay, but the young players don't really fit that system. That's a great point. I do wonder, though, because I think Kaminga is beginning to embrace and flourish within the motion system. Now, when he's on the floor, he typically is out there with either Sharich or Green or both so that they can maximize his ability to attack the paint. Sometimes it's post-ups, sometimes it's cuts, but generally they want him to be inside the restricted area. I mean, his last five games, he's shooting nearly 70% from inside the paint. When he's inside, he is deadly. So I wonder if... That's it. I mean, clearly the priority are the Splash Brothers, and you can tell by the fact they're combined taking like 23s a game between them. But I do wonder if Pajemski, he looks like someone that has embraced the motion system, and I think that's why he plays a lot. Kaminga, I think, is starting to get it, and as a result, got 28 minutes per game in the month of January, which has been progressively ramping up. Now to the point here as we begin, or just about at the tail end of January, heading to February, is this is a month where we see Kaminga consistently getting 32, 33, 34 minutes. This is a guy, Dan, that struggles to get 30 on back-to-back nights. I'm not sure he's done it yet in his career. So... More Kaminga. I don't know if that necessarily means he has to be in the starting lineup, but over the course of the game, yes. I do think he needs to be on the floor more often than not because, to your point, he's playing right now like he's their second-best player. Yeah, and again, the text line talking about how Steve Kerr needs to change this motion system, which he's held on to for so long, and it's still effective, but that's a perfect example of Steve Kerr needing to change and move with the times. Yes, the motion offense is still something that the Warriors can play effectively. But I would I'd push back a little bit on you, Evan, that yes, Kaminga is, is much better at it now than, say, he was not only last year in his rookie year, but certainly even earlier this year. But what's the one thing that other teams do that the Warriors typically do not? And the one thing that I think that Jonathan Kaminga really excels at is that as you look for matchups. And if Jonathan Kaminga feels as though he has a matchup advantage, what the Warriors will do, what they need to do more of, it's just clear aside. To me, that's been their most effective play for Jonathan Kaminga, who recognizes mouse in the house. I got this guy. Get the hell out of the way. You clear aside, and he's either backing you down and getting to, as you like to say, getting into the paint where he's been so effective. And he's either beating somebody with his quickness with his first step, or he's just bullying and going right through someone's chest and he's dunking on people. But that's isolation basketball, which is something that the Warriors are not familiar with. But, to not the caller, but to the text line's point, it's something that, again, it gets back to Steve Kerr and Andy Reid that, okay, I'm a little bit older, but I can't hold on to last year or yesteryear. Let me do things a little bit differently. 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan and Dan here with you on Warriors this week. If you think there needs to be more of that embracing of isolation, moving away from the motion that's made the Golden State Warriors so successful in years past, not necessarily throughout this season offensively, we want to hear from you. 888-957-9570. D's out in D.C. wants to talk about the end-of-game execution. I think this plays into it as well, Dan. What's going on, D? How you doing, man? D. What's going on, Evans? What's going on, Danny? What's up, my man? Hey, yo. Hey, you got you got you guys are teaching me Spanish, Italian, French, all at once. <laughs> My goodness, one Saturday. Yeah, you're an expert, man. You're all right, Dan. You're all right. No, the Italian is you don't necessarily speak Italian when you're going through North Beach. You just say, like, "Oh, yo, oh, funga, oi." Uh, you know, you it's just got an gotta, expression. 
And you gotta you gotta gesticulate. You gotta use your hands. Hey, good morning, bon Joe. Good there morning. You go. There you go. There you go. You gotta use your hands. You gotta use your hands. But listen, uh, what I wanted to say is, first of all, the problem with the Warriors continuity, right? Um, Steve Kerr is throwing a totally different starting lineup almost every freaking game, which is a problem. There's no continuity on the floor. To be able to be a good defensive team, to be able to be a good offensive team, you need to have continuity. If you do not know who's going to throw the ball, who's going to pass, who you're going to pass the ball to, who you're going to set the screen for, who you're going to—I uh, mean, if you don't have, if you can't converse with the guy next to you, you're always going to be off. That's that, that is precisely why the Warriors have been struggling to not only sustain a lead and also to close out games, right? For instance, the last game, the last game we played, Steph Curry, the last play. There were four defenders on Steph. There was no other Warriors next to him to set a screen for him to allow him to get open. How do you, after, two, after, after so many years in the system, for the front office and Kerr, that to have the proper players to fit a certain system is ridiculous, in my opinion. For all those who are crying for, uh, uh, in regards to motion office or that's being too old, I have, I have news for you. Motion offense is not the problem. It's the players that the front office brought in that are the problem. Salich does not know how to set a screen. J.K., as good as he has been so far on offense, he does not know how to set a screen. The only three players in that roster who knows how to set screens are Steph, Jay, and Looney. That's not sufficient. Motion offense is what we do. Shooting the ball is what we do. Bringing players who know how to set screens, as well as know who knows how to pass the ball in proper spots to allow the shooters to do their things. That's all I got, y'all. Thanks, D. Look, I, I don't think that the motion offense is is dead. I, I, I'm I'm kind of with him. I don't think that it's it's something that they can't use. And actually, you know, Dan talking about the the isolation for Kaminga, I think that is sometimes a byproduct of the motion along the perimeter. Is when they kind of set up that little triangle look, they dump it into the post, and then Kaminga has the option whether he wants to pass to a shooter that's moving around, and they can clear out space, which also helps him create and look for a mismatch. So I think they can work hand in hand the idea of allowing Kaminga or sometimes. Wiggins on the block or whoever to get a mismatch on a smaller, get a kind of mouse in the house type player, uh, but also with the idea that, like Kaminga, you don't have to look for Curry first. If you get the ball in the post, you can just go if you have what you want in front of you. You don't, but but that's where I think that there's the the tug and pull of like the first option is within the motion. Okay, everything runs around Curry, so if Curry's moving. You kind of have to have an eye out for him. I, I think there can be a little bit of a switch from a, from that standpoint of, okay, you can look for your... Sh- like, Kaminga, you've proven now over the last five games you're shooting over 60% from the field. You're averaging about 25, 26 points per game. Clearly what you're doing is working offensively. You don't have to be as deferential as... You were three or four months ago, and I don't think he is. I think with the Golden State Warriors, the operative word is is they're old. It's an old basketball team. And when they roll out that starting lineup, and just stay with me here, with that Dario Saric and Kevon Looney, 
and Andrew Wiggins and an old Clay Thompson and a 35-year-old Steph Curry, you just look at them and you're like, that is old. And you can just see it. You can just see that there is, there's a lack of energy. There's not youthful legs. And old doesn't win in anything, quite frankly. And the reason why the Warriors' defense is so bad, to me, just to sort of give you the, the overview here, is that we always talk about the point-of-attack defense. Well, when you're old, you can't stay in front of guys. And so what happens when you get beat off the dribble? You have to help. And everybody passes out of that double team, which is why Warriors are always chasing three-point shooters. It's because they have to help defensively. And they don't have that big rim protector where you're like, okay, I got beat, but you're not going to get to the rim because i got Andrew Bogut back there. I've got West back there. I've got whomever who's got my back. No, they don't have that. So they have to help, which essentially is a double team. People pass out of that rotation, which is why you see so many open threes against the Golden State Warriors. And here's where I wanted to go with that. Rarely do you see anybody on the Golden State Warriors double team aside from Steph Curry. But you know what's going to happen, Ev? And just mark my words. As word gets around the NBA on those clearouts with Jonathan Kaminga, they're going to, teams are going to bring somebody else. They're going to recognize that their defender on an ISO, whoever it is, cannot hold Jonathan Kaminga. And as he said, and we sort of chastised him at the time, when he said in a very you know glib and honest moment with Mark Thompson in that interview <laughs> that nobody in this league can check me, and I'm paraphrasing here, nobody in this league can hold me, and I believe that. And I think that Jonathan Kaminga is going to get to the point where if you ISO, he's going to make you bring that double team, and then guess what? You have Jonathan Kaminga passing out of a double team, and you're freeing up the Warriors shooters. Now it looks like a Warrior team that can do some damage. Now it looks like a Warrior team that has a level of identity. Up to this point, they've had none. And I think he's the one guy that it's just a matter of time where he's going to bring that extra defender, and it's going to free up Steph, where he doesn't have to work a back dribble and get a sidestep three. It's going to free up Klay Thompson and all of those shooters, and maybe even Andrew Wiggins gets on track. Well, and I think that's why down the stretch of basketball games, I mean, you, you can... Look, the easiest way to get a look is at the rim. I know that Curry reorganized the math and the way that basketball is played, but I hate to break it to you, he's not making 35 foot three-pointers or 30 foot three-pointers at the same rate that he used to. He's still shooting 40%, but that's below his career average. So he's not as efficient and deadly from three-point range as he used to be. Partially, I think, because there's also a guy in his face every single time he takes the shot because there's no one else that right now is trustworthy outside of perhaps Kaminga to go and get a basket on their own. This is what I'll say about the starting lineup. And another reason why I don't think we're going to see it tonight, they've been objectively terrible defensively. Like, they have been absolutely awful. They're old. Well, they're old, but they're giving up 136.7 points per 100 possessions. That is terrible. They're a minus 21 in 58 minutes. That's bad. You can't have that on the floor for an extended period of time. And I'm talking about Curry Thompson, Wiggins, Sarge, and Looney. But mainly Sarge and Looney, who, and Kavan, unfortunately, has not been playing very well this year, provide you no interior impact defensively. And so what you have to do is, essentially, you have to have all five guys with an eye for the paint at the same time, which is going to free up shooters, which is why the Kings are hitting eight threes in the first quarter of basketball games and shooting 22 for the game. The biggest issue I have with the Warriors right now is not necessarily the the offense or the guys 
and not being able to integrate the young dudes as much as they should on the offensive end of the court. It's that they can't stop a nosebleed. They defensively have been so bad. And that, to me, is why I think we're going to see Draymond Green in the starting lineup tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. Number one, because they're a bigger team. You need a little more size. Draymond has typically given Anthony Davis at least fits in the past. He makes him work hard for everything that he gets. But also, because defensively, they cannot afford against a team that's got those towers out there to just be giving up buckets left and right. They can't afford to play from behind against a very good defensive team in Los Angeles. And I think that even though Sarge's impact goes a little under the radar, to me it's not so much about how well he shoots or what he does offensively, but that he allows guys like Kaminga to have more space on the floor, like Wiggins to have more space on the floor. He's a a connector, I think, more than an impactor. But... He cannot be in the starting lineup tonight. I think it's going to be Draymond alongside either Moody or perhaps even Kaminga with Wiggins, Clay, along with Steph. There's got to be a change at the starting lineup because they can't keep playing from behind. They're so bad defensively. Yeah, I think you pointed this out last time we were doing a Warriors show, and that is the Dario Saric <laughs> phenomenon. The fallacy. <laughs> He's a role player in a perfect world, right? Isn't that why they got him to fit in that Otto Porter, be Elitsa mode? And going way back in the day that he's just a guy that's a big that's going to come off the bench, play a limited, you know, limited amount of minutes and, and serve a significant role for the Golden State Warriors. It's something that's sort of been etched out through this dynastic run. The fact that he's getting as much run and the fact that he's starting and he is now looked upon as potentially one of your, what, top three go-tos? Should tell you everything you need to know about the Golden State Warriors. That was not the intent. If we were just to take a step back and think about what Sarge's role is in a perfect world as it relates <laughs> to the Golden State Warriors, it ain't this. No, it's not. Like Dario Sarge is one of three Warriors right now shooting over forty percent from three. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I appreciate it. He's he's a good shooter, good three point shooter. I think he's a below average defender. Let me say that. I'll I'll try and keep it nice. I think he gives up about as many points as as he goes and gets. And, and it's not. I don't want to make this about Dario Sarge because, to be honest, Dan, he he could be a, a trade ship. Like he could be someone that some some other team is looking at and saying, "Well, he's kind of like a well, he's a starter for the Warriors right now." But in a in a perfect world, he's like you know a seventh, maybe eighth man. Potentially ninth could round out, give you some size, give you some shooting for for a good team. He might be someone that the Warriors could move at the deadline, and we can get into to some of the potential wants and asks for later on in the show. But you're right, like Sharch, I don't think is an NBA starter on a winning basketball team. He's an NBA starter on a team that's looking for answers, and and he's kind of a placeholder. Like he, if Draymond Green hadn't gotten suspended, if he sure, hadn't been in sure. and out. Sharks would not be in the starting lineup. But to me, I think that he was in because before the tragedy happened, you know, they, they found something a little bit. And then, of course, they won the game with Atlanta. And, and this is also something, too, with, with Kerr. And I, I wonder what you think about this, Dan. It does feel like whenever there's a starting lineup change, and there's been, I think, 13 or 14 throughout this season, well, if they win a game, then you stick with it. And if you lose a game, then you got to mix things around again. It does feel a little reactionary, the starting lineup. And I know that the closing lineup is more important than who's on the floor to begin the game. But at the same time, if the starting lineup has continuously put you behind and had you have to have to dig yourself out of a hole, 
well, then I think you might need to start looking ahead and saying, well, how what's actually going to, you know, again, the, the idea of foresight, the idea of projecting as opposed to just reacting. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily convinced that Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kamika can't play with each other. But I think Steve Kerr has seen enough of a sample size where he's like, okay, next. I think he's trying to lean into it a little bit more. The other thing I wanted to, just to get or back to, to defense or the lack thereof as it relates to the Golden State Warriors again, I just think that, simply put, they're an old basketball team, and you see it on display every night, especially at the beginning of games. Watch tonight if they roll out Dario Sarge, Kevon Looney, and Clay. Clay Thompson is good at times, but he gets beaten so frequently. I thought Davion Mitchell was just going to work on him, as was Harrison Barnes. And they're an old basketball team. And when you can't, when you get beat off the dribble, you have to help. And NBA basketball players are so smart, they kick out of that double team. And that's why you see opposing teams having so many good looks at threes against the Warriors. But in defense of the Warriors, while they are bad defensively and old, I don't know what the hell happened to defense collectively in the NBA. Dude. Ev, let me just give you some of the numbers from last night. Dude. The Pacers beat the Suns 133-131. That's in regulation. A tight game. The Mavs rolled up 148 to 143 in regulation. It's competitive. Doncic had 60, what do you, no, 73. 73. The Rockets put up a 138 spot on the Hornets last night. The yeah. Clippers smoked the Raptors by 20. It's, it's league wide. Makes and you I wonder think what happened to the Pelicans. Everybody has shot makers in the league. And that to go along with, sort of like the NFL. Go back to my NFL analogies where everybody spreads the field and OCs, offensive coordinators, are so innovative. That's what's happened to basketball is they they run these sets now that are coming off of pin downs or they get these guys good looks. And not to mention, and the NBA has been trending this way, Ev, where we knew that the way the game was played, and it all started, quite frankly, with the Warriors. You know, back in the day, the way they addressed and changed the game with the three-point line, right? The way they won their first title and came onto the scene. Nobody had done it like that before. And over over time, over the last 10 years, as it's trickled down to AAU and, and the youth leagues, now you're seeing centers like that of Wimbenyama and Chad Holmgren and Jokic, as well as uh, Embiid and his 70 points, that can shoot threes, can put it on the deck, that can get to the mid-range, that can dunk on you, can play in the post. And so the offense, I think, is something that we also have to recognize when we talk about defense or the lack thereof. And I think it's just relegated to the Warriors, although the Warriors' defense has been bad. No, I think you're onto something there, and I do want to dig into that deeper on the other side because it reveals something else about the Warriors that's kind of caught my eye throughout Throughout this season, and it has to do with the Splash Brothers, it has to do with scoring, and it has to do with the Warriors' place right now in the league in reference to what you're talking about with these albatross-type games, albatross-type outputs, like Luka Doncic scoring 73 points. The league is in a very interesting situation in regards to defense. And I want to get into that on the other side. 888-957-9570 is the number. I see you, Austin and San Jose. Please hang on through the break. We'll get to you on the other side. Evan Giddings in with Dan Devone. Warriors this week is back after this on 95.7 The Game. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.